Uh, as you know, we're starting a new series last week called Walking in Truth. And Pastor JP talked about the warnings that, that John gave us in terms of false spirits, the Antichrist, um, knowing the right kind of doctrine. And so this morning, we had a different type of warning for John. In lieu of those different doctrines, and in lieu of the theological differences, John warns us to not let it be used as a lack of love for one another. In today's world, there are too many complexities and problems and stresses that separate us from one another. There are so many complexities and stresses and theological differences that this is no time to hinge on loving one another. In fact, the scripture says that as followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we are together in a new birth. We are, we are a family together. 2 Timothy 5.17 says it this way, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are created. That same blood that washed away your sins was the same blood that washed away my sins. It does not discriminate. It has no expiration date. And it is available to anyone and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And if that's not a reason enough for us to love God and to love one another, then friends, I don't know what it is. So as we look at the word today, let's pray and ask God for an understanding of his perfect love for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and say thank you. We say thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. Lord, I ask that as the word go forth, that it's not be my words of thee, but it will be you speaking through me, that you would empty me out as a vessel and fill me up with the Holy Spirit, that we would not leave this place the same way that we did. So Lord, allow your people to have each of ears to hear a word from you. And in Jesus' name, we pray. So John gives us three certainties, three truths in this passage. The first one is, God is love. Second, God loved us. And then third, love one another. He ends this passage with the validation of God's perfect love, which is confirmed with the Spirit, which we'll see in verses 13, 16, and 8. We are born into a state of broken love. We know this from John 4.10. This is the love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We break the cycle of broken love that we're born in when we receive God as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His love is made perfect through us. Now, when God's love is made perfect through us, it changes us that we're able to love other people. When we accept Christ, we know God. And by knowing God, we love God. So it transforms our relationship both vertical and horizontal. How we respond to God's love and how that love in response can love other people. John is literally saying, Absent from God, there is no love. Because God is the source and the origin of love, and it derives from Him. It's His utmost being. It's part of His, his nature and His substance. In fact, John has, has several assertions when he says God is love. It's a statement 
that concerning the nature and substance of God. And it stands in parallel to two other statements in John's writing. God is spirit, 424, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. We also get God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. These statements set forth different aspects of the essential nature of God. One commentator puts it this way. God is spirit is as if it's his metaphysic nature, but God as light and God as love is his character. Therefore, if God is light and God is love, we know God, so we must walk in the light, walk in the truth as we love one another. So in order to love one another, we must first be in the light. And to love one another, we must first be in the truth. We could also add Hebrews 12, 29, where it says, God as a consuming fire. God who is love is light and fire as well. Far from condoning sin, his love has found a way to expose it. That's where God's light comes. When he exposes our sins and he brings it to the world. But he is a consuming fire. God consumes our sins. But God is love. Because of his love for us, we are not consumed with our sins. God's perfect love is a sacrifice. God works against whatever works against love. So this is what we have to do. One, we have to know that learning to love is one of the ways we are more new as children of God. Learning to love helps us to come to know God. A lack of love blocks spiritual growth and birth. Love is a sign of new birth just as much as righteousness. John said, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But whoever does not love does not know God. It is that simple. The implication here is that the life that God has imparted in us is a new birth and it manifests itself by our love to other people. Perhaps maybe we have a hard time loving people because we really don't love ourselves. Have you thought about you loving yourself in light of how God loves you? How many of you today can say without certainty, I am loved by God? When you think of your past, when you think of your sins, when you think of your the things that you think about, when you think of the times you lie, the times you gossip, the times that you backfire, the times that you didn't meet up to your word, the time that you said a word to your wife or your husband or your kids or your neighbor or your co-worker. In light of that, God still loves us. In fact, God's word says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not our fears for today, not our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No powers in heaven above or earth beneath. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, if you believe that, if you truly believe that you are loved by God, how can we not love one another? 
Have you been hurt by other believers? Have you been lied on? Cheated? Talked about? You know, they did the same thing to Jesus. So you're in good company. Yet Jesus still died on the cross for your sins, for their sins, and for my sins. So as children of this God, as children who should have the very nature of the love that comes from God, John commands, beloved, if God so loves us, we ought to love one another. It is not automatic, and it is not effortless. Loving takes time. It takes energy. It takes patience. It takes room to grow in that love, to create space for the other. Every member of God's family is to manifest his love. Black, white, Hispanic, rich, poor, young, old, immigrant, foreigner, Republican, Democrat, meat lovers, vegans, everyone. We see, and if you have your Bibles, look at um, John 4, verses 9 and 10. We have to love other people because God is love. Jesus was the supreme example of God's love. This is referred to by the special love he had for us. While the origin of love is in the being of God, the manifestation of God's love was the coming of Christ. God loved us before we were able to reciprocate that love. And our love is also in response to that. God has shown his love in two ways. To bring us life and to pay for our sins. When we live through him, we can love other people. I'm back, so I sweat, so you just <laughs> Think about this. No other act on God's part could demonstrate his love as this amazing fact. The very God against whom we have sinned was the God who was able to either destroy us or to save us. Let me repeat that. Because of our very sin, the very God who we love had the ability to either save us or destroy us. He didn't decide to destroy us. Instead, he decided to save us. Paul said, God commended his love towards us, that in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Titus 3.3, for we are received we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hatefulness and hating one another. But God expressed his love by atoning for our sins. God's perfect love is perfect because God is love. All of God's activities is done in love. And if we believe that all of God's activities are done in love, we know that he judges us in love. And if we can accept that fact, we have to understand that God's justice is also 
in love. Second, God's perfect love is perfect because God loved us. So if God is loved and God loved us, it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Remember, the love of God in Christ came to us even before there was spiritual movement towards Him or on our part. Think about that as it relates to loving other people. Before we began to love God, God loved us. So there was nothing inside of us except sinful nature that would make us want to love God. So you supply that same analogy. What inside of us keeps us from loving other believers? Is it because your feelings get hurt? Is it because they owe you money or they didn't keep their promise? Think about your sins. You know what you were like before you met Christ. In fact, I thank God that God can expose my sins to people before I met him. Even with me accepting Christ at age 12 and being licensed to preach at 13 or ordained to preach at 15. It's a struggle to love other believers. I worked in the Episcopalian church. They were difficult. I worked with the Presbyterians. They were difficult. I worked with the Baptists. I couldn't even go there. <laughs> I have not worked with the Catholics. They don't return my call. <laughs> I have had a Catholic girlfriend, but she's my ex, so I'll let you sit with that. <laughs> But it's hard loving other people. Some of the worst hurt has happened in the church. From our fellow believers. Maybe even from the pastor. But yet God's plea is that we must love them because he loved us so much. John's plea is simple. If you believe all of this, if you believe that love means laying down your own life brothers, we must show the best love for others when it is sacrificial love. This is expressed the reason why we are become partakers of the very nature of God. He says in verse 11, we ought to. We ought is a personal obligation. What practical effects this love has upon the relationships of the believers and the family of God. There is no excuse we can provide or to justify mistreating other people. To claim a love for God and at the same time reject, despise, and mistreat those whom you see by them. My brothers and my sisters, that's not of Christ. It is in the practice of loving one another that the reality of the love that God has for us is tested, is strengthened, is purified. So God is love. God loved us. So now let's look at how we're supposed to love other people. God is made visible through the love of us. Who in your life are you struggling to love? 
Is it a family member? Is it your kids? Your wife or your husband? Is it the pastor? Is it me? What are the blocks that stop us from loving other people? Is it their politics? Is it their theology? Is it their wealth or the lack thereof? Is it how they voted or the lack thereof? Is it because they parked in our parking spot? Is it because they drive in the car that we wish we had? Or our house isn't the way we want it to be? Only you know the answer of what blocks you from loving other people. Is it the beggar on the side of the road? Or the homeless person that asks for money? And you think to yourself, oh, just go get a job. I don't need to pay my tithe today. The church has enough. When we give ourselves to Christ, and we know the very nature of Christ, we must live as Christ is in us. John says that if we do not love, we do not know God. And God is not in us. I don't know about you, but that would make me tremble to say that I don't know God. The one that died on the cross for my sins. John is pointing out that believers' love for each other is closely related to our own Christian experience. Think about the time you have experienced God's love in your life. Just take a moment. Then you know for a fact that you had the presence of the God in How was your experience? How did you know it was love from God? And what ways do you know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you? When I was a freshman in college, I, I had questioned if God loved me. One of my theology professors had referred to this as the dark night of soul. According to Christianity Today, the International Christian Magazine, the, the dark night provides deep questions. It is a, both a spiritual and a psychological experience. And it provides opportunity of growth. I remember that night being so vivid. I remember struggling with other Christians on campus. Hardly so, because this was a small liberal arts Christian college in Seattle, Washington. I was one of maybe 10 African-American students on predominantly Caucasian campus. But having been raised a Christian, having been blessed to school in the valley, being born and raised in the inner city, but went to school two hours to the valley on a bus, and then two hours back on a bus, so four hours around the trip each day, I had the, the, the privilege of having a diverse friend where my friends were both Caucasians and African-American and Hispanic and Latino and Asians. And so being a Christian, going to grade school and middle school and high school with people that looked like me and didn't look like me, I went to this, this Christian college thinking, this is going to be great because we're all believers and we're all one family in Christ. Not so much. 
My experience on campus had been failed as I felt both rejected, alone, and an outcast. One of the reasons I picked Seattle Pacific is because when I went to go visit there, I felt the presence of God on that campus. And as I reflect after graduation, the presence of God was still on the campus, but it was the presence of God that was missing from the people who were on the campus. We can be believers in a church where the presence of God is, but if we lack the presence of God in our life, therefore we won't be able to love other people as Christ has loved us. I remember a lot of things happening in my life during the freshman year. My girlfriend and I broke up before the end of my freshman year. My grandmother died during finals of my freshman year. My roommate and I hated each other. He was from Idaho. <laughs> The church that I was attending had split. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you've ever been at a church that split. But when this was an historical black church, and when black people split, we split. And not only did we like literally count which Bible stayed here and which hymns go to the other church, the people that left the church bore requests to the church secretary asking for a refund on their tithes and offerings. So when we split, and we were Baptists, we split. But that had a profound effect on my life as I was dealing with death and dealing with heartaches that I could not even go into the church to experience the presence of God because the people who are in the church were fighting over things that were not of God. Of course, we don't do that here at Ephesus. <laughs> the list goes on. But needless to say, you now have a glimpse of why I was experiencing the dark night of the soul. But for all the things that were happening to me and around me, God's truth was the same. I was loved by God. And God sent his holy and righteous people to surround me. Because there were some holy and righteous people that prayed and walked alongside me and loved me. I remember praying continuously. I remember reading scripture daily. I remember even sleeping with my Bible because I wanted to be as close to God's word as humanly possible. Then I heard the psalmist say, for his anger is but for moment, and his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the end. I know that I was loved by God, and I hope that you know that you are loved by But in order to know that, we must practice mutual love for one another. This love 
love must transcend both social and economical barriers. The words ring true in verses 13 through 16. We get the love of God, the confirmation is through the gift of the Spirit. It says in verse 13 through 16 that John, that John presented three grounds for the assurance that believers have come personally to know God. He mentions the gift of the Spirit in verse 13, the testimony concerning God's saving work in Christ in verse 14, and the experience of the fellowship with God in 15 and 16. This is the Christian life, is to love God and love others. It's also this church's vision. Love your neighbor as yourself, because we have been born so to love other people, to extend love to other people. Other people who need to know the love of God. The love of God is the love of God helps us win when we can't help ourselves. I want you to think about God's love in your life right now. And as I close, I'm asking Nando uh, to come up. And as you think of the love that God has for you, think about where you come from, where you came from, and where you want to go in Christ's love. Think about the people in your life who you struggle to. You know who they are. It may be the person sitting next to you right now. But when we think about God's love, think about how he died on the cross for our sins. Think about how he was pierced in the side. Think about that he never said a mumbling word. Think about how he was nailed to the cross. For sinners like us, for sinners like me. I don't know about you, but I know that I was a sinner. I know that I am a sinner. But I know that God's love is so much bigger than my sins. And I can only imagine that when John was writing this, that he was thinking of the psalmist when he said, I once was young, but now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed that The same love that you accepted in Christ so long ago needs to be in you as you extend a hand and love one another. Friends, there's so much hatred in the world. Through bombs being sent in the mail, through synagogues being shot up. Now is the time of love. Now is the time of salvation. Love God and love others. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Oh, thank you for your son dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, you know our angel struggles. You know what goes on in our heart. We ask that as we come before you and we take communion, that we can lay those burdens and those anxieties and those fears and those aches at the foot of the cross. That we would be reminded of your love that you have for us. And that that love transcends the love that we have for one So Lord, as we come and we take communion, we ask that we can go into our heart. And if there's anything that should not be, that it would be taken out. That as we, we eat the bread and then we drink the cup, that we do share your experience in knowing that you love us. And oh, how much you love us. And that we want to love us. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.